Okay. Well, that's, uh, I hope I can live up to that, right? That's a, a tough go, but thank you, Brian, for uh, letting us know where we are and uh, also for uh, establishing that critical value for this church. And I want to remind you that I have water balloons. Okay, I'm just going to get that right out, right out front so that you know what's going on. Now, the other day in Iron Hour, I asked this question, and I would like to get just a couple of pieces of feedback from you. If there was a, a parent standing next to me with a young child, a young child, give me a couple pieces of advice for the parent. Okay, there's a thousand things. Get a leash. Something about a leash. Okay, that's an interesting... That is not water balloon worthy. That's a brilliant answer. Get a leash. Very good idea. What else? I heard a couple of them. Pick your battles. Choose your battles wisely. What else? Have patience. Say what, Steve? Set boundaries. They grow up very, very fast. I can promise you that that it will be over in 10 minutes. This too shall pass, right? Okay, so a young child, if you were giving advice to a parent of a young child, that. Now, let's say I had a, a parent up here with a 16-year-old teenage boy. Run away! <laughs> Jim Dobson used to go through the process where he would say, you know, put him in a box at about 12, 13, you just kind of do this. And when it got to about 16, you didn't even feed him through the hole in the box anymore. It was just kind of leave him in there. Run away. Other pieces, genuinely, any advice? Don't ask the question if you don't want the answer. That's really good advice. Oh yeah, you be the house that their parent, that their friends want to come to. If that requires all the electronics and junk food you can possibly get, that's really good advice. One more. Pray a lot. Pray a lot. And I will tell you that that is super advice. And so I asked the guys at Iron Hour the other day, I'm going to see if I can figure out this crazy thing. And I was I was saying, "Hey, you know, give me some advice if you were going to give me some advice for Young people. You're going to give some advice to a young person. Uh, the first one was, get a job. <laughs> it builds character. Now, yes, it does. But at the same time, yeah, you're going to need a little more of that. Work hard on your grades. Honor your father and mother. Here's one. Mom is always right. Right? Spend less than you make. Well, some of these just make some very simple simple uh, sense. Then I asked, okay, if you were going to say a few things to some parents, just like I asked you, men, and this is a room of 50 plus men, what would you say? Uh, One person said, go to a dog training class. You may learn a lot from a dog trainer. Well, you might. That's a good idea. Here's a really good one. Remember, you're raising adults, not children. It's a really good piece of advice. Practice what you preach. Open your mouth first. Excuse me, right? Open your ears first. Your mouth second, right? Live your life quietly. Go by the book. Look for purpose. Help your child establish some purpose. Many other pieces of advice that could be given. And and I, I set that all up with this idea to say this to you. There's some advice that we all need as parents. And there's some advice that we all can give as parents.
And a whole bunch of what church is about is enabling that process. A whole bunch of the purpose of the church is to make sure that that process happens. Good advice given, good advice received. Here's one. Turn with me, if you have your Bible, turn to the Ephesians letter from Paul. And you know, you would have thought that Paul had enough going on that he wouldn't have mentioned much to families, but there's a lot in there to families. Ephesians chapter 5. Back near the back, it's one of the letters after the epistle, or after the Gospels and back past Romans and 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians and Ephesians 5. Now, Paul, interestingly, if I read you Colossians, the end of Colossians, it would be, a lot of the same idea would be in here. Ephesians 5, 15. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Very good advice. Because the days are evil. Don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Use music. Use whatever you can. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Give thanks to God for everything. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You might have a division in your Bible that clumps that verse up to the verse about music. The truth is, that verse sets up these next pieces of advice from the apostle to families. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Oh, we love that one, don't we? Husbands. I mentioned that. Uh, you can imagine all of the laughing at Iron Hour, a room full of men. Oh, we love that one. Did you read the verse before that? This is set in the context of submit to one another. That's the context. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband's the head of the wife. We didn't design this system. God did. But this is not about becoming a doormat for any of us. Because if you're gathering any kind of a sense of what this is about, this is we are all submitting to each other. Turn with me, well, I turn, to verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. There's twice as much information to the husbands as there is to the wives in this passage. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is a giving up of yourself, just as Pastor Brian was mentioning a minute ago. This is you deciding. This is not about you driving. This is you giving up. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing of the water with your words. To present her to himself, to Christ as a radiant church. In the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it as Christ does for the church. Verse 33, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. Guys, do you get it? He's only said it like three times already in a couple of verses. And the wife must respect her husband. This is a mutual job. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It's the only commandment that comes with a complete promise. It will go well with you. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, what does that imply to you immediately? 
when you read that in the context of this, what I hear in there is Paul is acknowledging it's going to almost be the default setting, fathers, for you to exasperate your children. And that's why I'm going to mention it. Just like it's going to be hard work for you to love your wife as you love your own body. Fathers, be aware that the default setting will be you will drive your kids crazy. Now, I know some people think that that's hereditary. You got it from your kids, right? The craziness. But the truth is, no. He's saying, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And one other little verse, if you want to turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, just a couple of pages. Paul is talking, and this is not about parenting, but he makes this fascinating comment about parenting that if I could sum it up in one sentence, it would be this. Verse 10, you are witnesses, and so, of God, so is God. Chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians 10, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were when we, among, we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Listen to these words. Encouraging, comforting, and urging them to live lives worthy of God. Families, if you want to wrap it up, that's the culture. Encouraging, comforting, urging them, urging them to live a life worthy of God. That's the culture. And what I can tell you is the goal of what we're trying to accomplish here, a long-term vision for this church, and they brought me in in the process, the goal is to develop a culture where you and your friends, your neighbors around you can have a place to go where you can get some support, get some process in this thing to understand how do I encourage, comfort, and urge my children to live a life worthy of God. That's the thing. Now, just a couple of ideas here. And I'm going to speak to students first. If I could give you some advice, students, wherever you are, some of you are quite young and some of you are teenagers. You'll be able to kind of gather this in depending on where you are on the path. But here's some advice for you as students. First of all, reality entertainment is not. It's not reality. Okay? Reality entertainment is this fascinating thing that's going on in our culture that says... You know, we'll watch these people do their stuff, and that's reality. None of that is reality. Fashion is not reality. Fashion and passion are fleeting. And in fact, if you want to know the truth, the working of fashion is an insult to you, young people. Because they assume they can get you to do whatever they want you to do. If they tell you to wear a green sock on your head, you'll wear it. And there's a lot of other things that our culture is doing that are insults to you as young people. Fashion and passion are insults. You're, by the way, your family will remain when your friends are gone. And all of those accoutrements, all of your clothes, all of your whatever else, your family will still remain. So my first suggestion to you is don't buy in too much. Second suggestion, 
take responsibility for some of the relationships in your family. I regularly have encountered... I've been in youth ministry now for 30 years. I did the math the other day. I'm a little embarrassed to say that. But it's true. 30 years. Been hanging out with teenagers on different levels. And children. And so many times I've heard them pointing fingers like this is all about my parents, my parents, my parents, my parents. Take some responsibility for the relationship. Start taking it as soon as you can. Don't wait. More is not necessarily better. Okay? More, you keep getting this sense of, oh, we need to do more. I need to buy into more. I need to be a, a mate. And then forget about my, my family. I'm not going to work on my relationships with my family. That's their job. And it's also a lot about what you want more in the end result. What you want more is what you will do. I have never met one person ever working in substance abuse areas that wanted to be an alcoholic. I've never met one that chose, oh man, my life goal is to be an alcoholic. They say, I never wanted this. The truth is, when life starts packing up in different types of things, you start making decisions, and the more that you put into and invest in is what you're really going to get out of life. More is not necessarily better, and what you want more is what you're going to get. There's a a story about a, a pastor, and his son is about ready to get his driver's permit. And so he sits him down to have a conversation. And he says, you know, Dad, it's about time for me to start my driving process. So the dad says, well, i got a couple of things I want you to do first. One is you've got two C's. I want you to bring those up to B's. You're working your job. I want, to sa- I want you to save 10% more money than you're saving right now. And I want you to get a haircut. Those three things. So the son does the math, and he's like, well, I best, better do something about this. In about three weeks, he comes back. He has raised the two grades, and he is saving more money. And his dad says, that's awesome. You did two of the three, but what about the haircut? And the son says, well, Dad, i got to make a case for this. Because the truth is, if you look through the Bible, start all the way back at the beginning, Moses, Elijah, Samson, even Jesus himself had very long hair. And the dad said, you'll also notice they all walked everywhere that they went. (laughs) Right? Take responsibility, young people, for what's going on. Third thing I'd love to tell you, young people, is this. Parents understand more than you think they do. They get more than you think that they do. Poor behavior, even on their part, even if they did things when they were younger that they are not very proud of, that does not give you a license to do the same dumb things. They get more than you think, and their lifestyle did not automatically give you some kind of a license. Consider their entire body of work, please, and quit just focusing on a couple of incidents. And trust is an interesting thing because the truth is, we all want it. We all wish we could get everything done perfectly. But folks and young people, your parents are not going to be perfect. It's just a reality. Now some advice to parents. Parents, you're the, uh, you're the linchpin in this whole thing. I will promise you in this whole journey, because right now we're building a team that includes me, 
It includes Tom Frazier, who will work mostly with middle and high school students, and Annika Crow, who will work with the children in the children's ministry. And we're building a team that is aimed at affecting the entire continuum of raising children. This is not just about youth, and it's not just about children. It's about the entire continuum. And I will tell you this right now, that I will often point to you, parents, as the key piece of the puzzle. Effectivity depends mostly on parents. couple pieces of advice. First of all, don't freak out. Just don't freak out. Don't overreact. Don't go crazy. You're the thermostats. Your children are the thermometers of what's happening in your home. You set the temperature. They reflect it. That's the reality. If I hear one more person say, I just want my kids to be happy, I'm going to just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Your kid's happiness is not a determiner of whether you're a successful parent or not. Not even. Reacting based on, I just want to either get myself out of this, run away, or I want to just get my kids to where they're happy. I'm sorry, neither of those are very legitimate goals. There's a lot more going on than that. Learn from your trailer. Now, I don't mean your, your mobile home, but I mean, how do you back up a trailer? Okay? If, how many of you know how to back up a trailer with a car? Got a trailer hooked on, backed up. Okay. The key thing that I've, whenever I've tried to teach anybody how to back up a trailer, is they overcorrect. Right? They're in the car and they go crank, 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 crank. Now the trailer's tucked back behind them over here. And they go a couple more inches, crank, 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 crank. With a trailer, it's very subtle motions. Parenting is much like that. Subtle, do not overcorrect motions. Second big piece of advice. Be the big person and don't respond too personally. Parents, don't take this too personally. Be the big person in the equation. Take a little bit and give a little bit of grace. Stop trying to build the image that, you know, you're like the Wizard of Oz. You've got all this thing. Everything is fine behind the curtain. In fact, let your kids in on some of your inner monologue. Ooh, that was a push, wasn't it? Let your kids in on. If you don't know what to do, parent, in this situation, tell them that. Let them know that. Let them know that there's an outcome that we all want as a family. And it's a good outcome. But I'm not sure what to do right now. That's okay that you tell your kids that. Here's a tough one. Earn your kids' respect. Don't just demand it. You'll do a lot of that if you'll let your kids in and quit trying to hold the image together. There's a sliding scale that starts at about 10. When they're about 10 years old, and this changes a little bit, you have virtually complete control of everything that happens in their life because you know everywhere they go, whoever they're with. You provide all of their stuff and everything. And in 10 years after that, you have virtually no control over what's going on in their life. You're still providing some things, but you're more of an advisor than you are a controller or a manager. You can use some help along that journey. The third thing is this. I finally get to the water balloon. 
don't squeeze your kids too hard. If you squeeze something, you go, okay, I'm going to control this thing right here. What happens? It pops out somewhere else. Kids are just like that. If you decide, I am going to change this behavior. I'm going to make sure they cut their hair. I'm going to make sure they don't hang out with that kid. He better never touch that girl again, whatever the issue is. And you start the squeeze process. I promise you, your kid will pop out somewhere else. Something else will happen. Do not squeeze your kids too hard. I ask you this question. Why would a clamped down, discouraged person want to make a good decision about their behavior. Ask questions mostly. Draw conclusions occasionally. Give commands only once in a while. And that equation is, becomes more important as they get older. I'm almost done. The third thing is this. I want to speak just for a few minutes. If you thought you were here as a post-parent and you got off scot-free, I'm sorry. It takes all of us. If you're done raising your kids, which is me, I mean, you're never done, right? But they're out of the house. They're mostly paying their own bills. And so that's good. And so if you're at that point, let me give you a couple pieces of quick advice. The culture that has built in America is a result of your generation and the two generations before that. Do not blame the kids for the culture that we have. It's the most ridiculous thing I hear over and over again. People pining for the good old days, and it, like it's the kids' fault. We need to help the parents and the children navigate the culture that we built and left as a legacy. That's our job. Second of all, pursue mentoring opportunities. Don't wait for them to come to you. Go find them. This is the culture and the context right here in the church. Find parents. Find young people. Get invested. Annika needs help in the Sunday school right now. You can go and engage young people a thousand ways. You, by the way, didn't have to be perfect at parenting to qualify as a mentor. In fact, your difficulties and struggle sections will bring you a ton of credibility in a family who is struggling with something. There's a story about a grandma. She has her granddaughter come over and she decides she's going to teach her how to sew. Well, you know, sewing, really? But she gets the machine out and she sets it all up and she does all the stuff and she's running everything. And the, you know, 13-year-old granddaughter finally says, honestly, Grandma, you can do all that, but you don't even know how to turn my Game Boy on? Seriously? Right? So you don't know how to turn the Game Boy on. Who cares? There are other things that you can do and they want to learn from you. And the third thing to know is this. All ministry is youth ministry. All of it. It all works whether you're throwing water balloons at people or not. The idea is that there's people like a Paul who wrote Ephesians, poured into a Timothy, and members of churches in different places. People who have been down the road or are currently on the road, and they want to be engaged with people who are younger than them on the road. 
It's all youth ministry. If you're in your 80s, then the 70-year-olds are your youth kids. All right? It's all youth ministry. And approach this entire thing as what's going on in church, realizing that it's your job to engage down. This is not a place for you to come and consume and to bask. We have recently gone through the situation where the kids are off. They're not around. Jenny and I sit around sometimes at night. It's kind of quiet. And we go, this is nice. Right? It would be very easy, very easy for us to decide we're a little old to hang out with middle schoolers. You're never too old. You're never too old. Go get them. Go ask them questions. Go get engaged. Be a part of their life. So here's the deal. We have this idea, this concept. We've got this team that we're building. And the goal of this church is to invest a whole lot of energy, resource, and time. A a lot of programs and training and education and prayer and ministry and mission trips and all kinds of stuff to engage younger people all along the journey in what it means to be a Christian. We've got children busting out the walls next hour. If you go downstairs, you won't believe how many little kids are banging around in this building. We've got teenagers who are saying, we just want to have some stuff that's viable for us, that'll matter to us. We have young adults who are single, who are saying, what kind of a space can we have? We've got tons of young parents who are saying, how do we raise, what do we do? What what do I do? They won't say that to you, you know, but that's what's happening. We've got people emptying the nest out. We've got everybody on the continuum. And this church has so much in the way of resource to offer. And now, we as a team, myself, Annika, Tom, we all bring different things to the equation. But we're going to work together like crazy to build some things that are happening But we need you to engage heart, soul, mind, spirit. Be a part. Don't sit around and go. In fact, if you ever just sit over and say, boy, we got some great stuff going on for kids and youth at our church, and you're doing nothing about it, shame on you. It'll take all of us. We want to engage it. We want to get stuff going. We want to fill you with with the courage that it takes. We want to give you all of the pieces of the puzzle so that we can move forward as a church and affect this county. And what I would love to hear you say is, I just asked the neighbors, the family that moved in next door, I just asked them to come because I know we got some great stuff going on for kids around here. That's what it should look like. Let's pray. Lord... Thanks. Thanks for vision. Thanks for leaders who some period of time ago built a vision to say this church is going to have a strong ministry to families, to children, to teenagers. And a church that was willing to say we're going to invest in staff, bring them in, get them engaged, encourage the ones that are already here, and build programs, build concepts, build all kinds of support to invest in our families in Summit County. And God, we 
ask you to send us those families. Make us worthy of their sending. Um, Give us the insight and the wisdom to engage them in the right way, whether it would be in counseling, if that would be in classes, if it would be in different activities or however that's going to look. And God, we'll follow the words that Paul had for the church and we will be the kind of families that encourage and give comfort and urge younger people than us on towards lives that are worthy of Christ. And we pray all that in his name. Amen. If you will, stand please. And let's, uh, let's sing just that little part of that, that chorus that we sang. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound Be blessed. Have a great week. Have a great Christmas season. Go and be a sweet sound in his ear. Thanks.